Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. I am absolutely excited to share today with you someone who is the Director of Trading and Trading Education and Research for Market Gauge and the host of Mish's Market Minute. So this is exciting because she's the author of Plant Your Money Tree, a guide to growing your wealth. She's also the mark, um, author of Market Phase Bootcamp, How to Swing, oh gosh, I love this, How to Swing Trade for Profit, and co-author of Market Gauge's Complete Swing Trading System. We're going to want to know all this, even though today we're going to talk mostly about what we've got going on in here, and you're going to want to know what I've discovered because this is something that's going to be very easily digestible to you. She's also the contributor to numerous publications and was voted one of the top 50 people to follow on Twitter by Dow Jones. This is really significant. And she was um, also, she won the Real Vision Award for the best top, best stock pick of 2018 and serves as founder and partner of Wizard IP. And it's a software development company. She also won the bookauthority.com award for writing one of the wealth books of all time. I'm very delighted to know her because everything that she has put in here has made a significant difference in the way I think about how money is and how you can plant your own wealth here. She's a former member trader of Coffee Sugar and Cocoa, as well as more in this, a market analyst and, uh, oh gosh, there's just more to her. I'm going to share all of the things that she has, but um, she was just one of the first on the floor analysts for, oh, Conti Commodities. She was a floor broker and then became an independent trader. Um exclusively for her own account, but there's even more to this. And she's going to even share stuff that I haven't uh, even brought to the table at this point, but I want to bring her to the show. Now with us is Michelle Schneider. Welcome. Rebecca, what an introduction. I'm actually blushing a little bit. I've got to tell you, I'm so excited because there's more that I want to deliver. And there's just, you have really brought to the table so much with everything that you've done. Uh, being one of the first female I, at just to the floor is unbelievable and one of the most successful traders in the world. You are an absolutely incredible person um, and so knowledgeable with what you have. You bring to the table a lot and I've got to tell you, I've been just absolutely delighted with what I have seen so far, what I've read so far, and I'm really excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me ask you, how did you get into trading? It was really by default. I was a special education teacher in New York City, making nothing back in those days. They weren't paying very much. So I was struggling. I had gotten married. I did everything my parents told me I was supposed to do. I married a nice boy from the neighborhood. I lived 20 minutes from their house. I became a teacher. And slowly, one by one, I realized that I was living what their definition of my life should be and not necessarily what I should be doing. And so, I mean, I always has been very blessed, but my best, best, best friend from high school had already moved into Manhattan and encouraged me to move in and leave the husband, which I did. 
and then eventually met this girl that lived in my building in Manhattan who was working for Merrill Lynch on the floor. And she just took a real liking to me and I think felt a little sorry for me. So she brought me down there. And when I went down to the commodities exchange floor and saw what was going on, it was one of those, you know, like, wow. <laughs> I had no idea any of this existed. I saw thousands of young guys running around. I mean, that wasn't my main intention was, you know, to be there for guys, but, but it was exciting and they were exciting and the movement was exciting. So I did whatever I had to do, whatever it took. It took a while, but I did get a job down there. And I, I, I got an amazing job actually working for Conti Commodities as an analyst. And that's how I got started, knowing nothing but being thrown or what they say, baptism by fire. Uh-huh. And you were one of the first females on the floor. Well, I was also really lucky in terms of the timing because it was right when ERA was getting very, very hot. Oh, yeah. you don't know what that means. <laughs> That's equal rights amendment. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm sort of on the heels of all of the great women who talked about that back in the day, like Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedan. And all, that was really not in my consciousness. I just happened to go down because I liked the action. I never really thought of, oh, you're a woman. Right. Right. So, so it just so happened though, Wall Street was thinking that way. And they were like, okay, we better hire some women down here before we get into some trouble. And, um, and so I, I, I really was in the right place at the right time. Um, what my biggest hurdle though, was not even being a woman, it was being a teacher. Because they were like, oh, we know that old saying, those who can't teach, what do you know about business? And they were right. But what they didn't know about me and came to find out about me was that, you know, I had this incredible, I was young and you know how you feel when you're young, you're infallible. I, no, no, never stopped me. And I just was hungry, hungry for knowledge and hungry to make some money and get out of my current state, which uh -huh. was poor, <laughs> really poor. Well, I will tell you all of that has really made you very, very successful. In fact, so much so that you have advise some of the most successful leaders in the world. And it's very easy to understand why after reading your book, um, because you have taken things that seem so complicated and made it very easy to digest and understand. And I'll tell you, I think what stops many people from pursuing and understanding and getting ahead in life is fear. And when we become fearful of something, especially when it comes to something like money, it stagnates us. And oftentimes you hear these terms like bullish or bearish, and it just, those terms in itself become uh, just sort of fear mongering, right? And so we end up not learning or, um, we just, we just don't. And so what ends up happening is we just don't pursue things any further. And, um, so when it comes to finances, oftentimes we stop growing because of fear. And, um, if it gets what we feel like is too complicated, we just say, oh, I'm going to let my CPA or I'm going to let somebody else handle it instead of taking things in these small chunks and learning them and embracing them and then moving on. And when we get 
the opportunity to do that and become confident in the understanding of something, boy, it unleashes something in us and then we become you. <laughs> so I will tell you. So I end up with the copy of this because of you. Thank you so much. I've got to tell you, I open it and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a tough read because it's on money and then it's on finances. And I get to just the first couple of pages and I don't want to put the book down because it's so, it's so simplified for me. And I, let me just, I I've got to tell you, I was really excited about this because I said, this is something that the audience who tunes into my show is going to be excited, just as excited about because they're going, they're going to be able to understand this. And the very first thing you get to page 10 and there's something that is really understandable here. And the very first heading is the laws of motion. Everybody can understand this. And I don't, I'm not going to want to give away everything that's in your book, but I want to talk about how simple that this is to understand about money and the laws of motion and how if something is in motion, it's going to stay in motion. Exactly. That's basic Isaac Newton law right there. And, uh, and sometimes the simplest things are, are, are the greatest things. And especially when it comes to math and numbers, people get terrified over things. Oh, I don't understand. But we all learned simple bar charts when we were school, in school. So if you want to keep a chart, it's not so intimidating. We all learned law of averages and moving averages when we were in school. Constantly we're told what's the mean, what's the average, et cetera. What's the batting average? What's the average temperature? How many average calories do you want to consume? And then on top of that, right, we all know the basic law of physics, the things in motion stay in motion. And we also know that there's a law of gravity. So when things get heavy, they fall really fast. Right. So I, I, I thought about the things I learned in school, things that I taught when I was in school, and not on a complicated basis, but really down to the kernel, to the easiest kernel. But you know, Rebecca, I just want to go back to what you were saying before, because there were two things that came to my mind when you were talking about the, the, the idea of fear, and then also the fact that people are so in the dark and often rely on others for investing. Two things. Number one is when I went down to the floor, one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was about this possible feeling of scarcity that people, most people come from, and from the idea that we all have been programmed to fail. We don't know how to succeed. Success scares us way more than failure because we know how to fail. I mean, going back from the beginning of time, every day we woke up as cavemen and expected to be killed or eat something bad, or if you were a woman, other things that would happen to you during the course of a day. And that's what stayed with us all these thousands and thousands of years. And so it's interesting to realize that and say, that's just DNA. That's your brain not being your best friend, your mind. So you got to get rid of that and switch to abundance. And the guys really helped me with that. They really, really did. They, they, they would say, when you're losing money, and I never lost much money because I couldn't afford to lose money. But even if I went into like sort of this stagnant mode, they'd say, go out and buy something expensive for yourself. And I'm like, oh, I can't do that. And they know, right. no, no, it's going to free your mind. It's going to make you feel abundant. And you know, they were right. The second thing I want to say is happily, interesting, one of the best things that have come out of this pandemic, and I'm always looking for silver linings, 
is that since April, really, the retail investor, the, the common person, has been more and more and more involved in speculating in the market. This is a new thing. People took their uh -huh. stimulus checks, they were home, they couldn't go, they couldn't, if it was guys, they couldn't necessarily uh, bet on sporting events. You know, women were home, they didn't have much else to do. So they started watching the market because there was so much uh, news about what was going on in the market. And then when the stimulus all came in and the Fed started being proactive, people were like, hey, I wonder if I can trade. And now that's really blossomed, even though the baby boomers might've been less so in that. Now what we're seeing right here, current events this week, as you and I are talking, is this whole notion of these young kids who are going into the Wall Street bets crowd, which is basically buying up anything that's been heavily shorted and fearlessly, I mean, because they're kids, exactly what we said, they're infallible and it's working and it's bringing other new investors. That to me is such good news between the feeling of abundance that people might start to feel after all of this being secluded and not being able to go out to eat or travel or go to a store, coupled with this newfound freedom that, wait a minute, I can, I can do the market too, is great. I'm just so excited about that. I am too. And you talk about that on two points in your book. One, under headlines, you know, about not believing the headlines, um, which is really important because it has to do with your, the phases in different phases. And if you believe certain things in the headlines that you're going to miss, you can miss out on certain things. And the other thing is about um, the buying and selling on certain things when you're thinking, well, am I not okay to buy that? We shouldn't do that. But yet you talk about how way back when the farmers knew when to sell um, based on crop seasons and things like that. So there's a lot when it comes to this, which is totally just simple logic. And it makes sense when you're able to digest it in like planting, it, it's like seasons and planting and growing and understanding cycles of harvesting. And it's just really interesting how you're sharing this. And oftentimes we don't, we just haven't looked at it in such a simplified way. We make things sometimes too complicated. Oh, totally. And the media plays on that. And uh -huh. this, this is not to be anywhere near political or talk about fake news or anything like that. It's just simple economics. Right. Doom and gloom sells. And right. so they tell right. you doom and gloom. I mean, still, I, I can't tell you, even now, I go on shows all the time. I'm, I'm constantly now being interviewed on Fox and Fox Business and Cheddar and Yahoo Finance and TD Ameritrade. And when I'm on a panel, I'm often the cheerleader in the group because people will navigate, again, our dark side, our, our failure side, our ease of thinking things are going to get worse instead of things are getting better, although we also have our very hopeful side. I'm trying to appeal to the hopeful side. you got to ignore the news. And what I did in the book, and this was all research I was doing as I was writing the book, as I was looking at, say, 2008, which we all remember very well as being a horrible period for the market and for real estate. Mm -hmm. As things were starting to bottom out, as, the, as Bernanke was coming in and starting to support the market and Obama was president and they were bailing banks out, regardless of whether you thought that was a good idea or not, that was not what was reflecting any optimism in the news at the time was just, 
well, shock. And a lot of these financial planners went into post-traumatic stress for years before they started buying. But if you use those simple moving averages and those six phases, you actually could see in 2009, the institutional investors, those that didn't necessarily sit there and watch CNN on a 24-hour loop, were starting to make some money and the phase improved and the hope returned in the institutional side. And by the time it returned to the re retail side, three or four years had already gone by and the, some of the best opportunity had been missed. So right. yeah, forget the news. The news is, I mean, here's a perfect example. I, I, I went on a, a station and I'm not gonna say who, but they were saying, you know, Biden banned all oil and gas exploration and fracking. And you know, what's that gonna to do to the, all the thousands of people who have lost their jobs? And if you're listening to that, you're gonna go, oh my God. But when I had to say, well, first of all, he didn't ban it. He just put a moratorium on it. And we're not really talking about that many jobs really when you think about how many jobs there are in this country. But I didn't even say that because I'm sensitive to the people who might lose jobs during that time. But more importantly, yeah, it's because the future, you can't stop it. We're going into clean energy. We're going into getting rid of fossil fuels and heading more towards electric cars. You know, the predictions that everybody's gonna be driving an electric car by sure. 2035. In fact, a self-driving car that we're gonna be switching from oil and gas like Norway, which has made its money on oil and gas is getting rid of all of that. So it's really gonna be how you present it. And I even take all of that and I say, okay, let's put that on the side. I was just asked about the headline, but I'm really looking at the charts. And if the oil and gas is telling me that even with all the bad news, there's still opportunity there and I can control my risk and I understand the phase and I know how to make money by getting in at a certain point, knowing when I'm wrong, knowing how to take profits along the way, I don't care what the news says. They could say that you know they're never gonna use oil and gas again, but the price may not tell me that. So you've gotta really be able to put that I say it's good for cocktail party conversation, anything you hear on the news, but not necessarily gonna help you be a good investor. No, and what you're saying here, and it shows it very, very clear, is the different phases, the six different phases, or if you wanna look at it in terms of cycles. And if you do anything in life, you can look at the different cycles that there are in harvest and reaping. It's very, very common in, in different things. And your book very is very clear on how this works. And you even go into, okay, if you want to learn about how stocks work, there's a way to do this. And I mean, this is, it, it's very broken down on how to digest this very easily, very, it's very palatable. It's not something that's complicated. Even when you were talking about um, clean, the this whole renewable energy, even you break it down to a college way, there, there's a, a energy company that will do this and educate you and even possibly potentially have a job or a career out of this. And I don't know too many people, um, Michelle, that will do that and give you a lot of just break things down for you to share that with. This is, this is a really good how to guide. There is so much that you have in here that really is like I said, digestible and charting is so, so crucial. Th this is really, really neat. Um, 
Now with some of the current things that are going on because of the pandemic, and I know that there's a lot of people who are sitting there going, well, how can I invest? And this, you do address this in your book, but especially now, because a lot of people um, have been taking out of the market with opportunity to work because a lot of even small businesses have um, gone by the wayside. Um, but there's ways to do this where you can get involved um, in being able to start a nest egg or being able to start getting finances in a position where you can grow. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, talk to us a little bit about this. Well, let's, let's take that down even further. So I, I, I know I talk not just to women, but I do have a whole passage to women because I'm very, very passionate, obviously, as a woman about trying to uh, help other women realize that they have innate abilities that they don't necessarily become aware of because of their just traditional role. Now, I know that's changing with the younger, younger generation, and that's great, but not completely yet. So, right. yeah, so, so I start with something that women understand that was actually a concept that was put out by Peter Lynch, who was a very famous trader for Fidelity. Um, and he's still alive, but he's not that active anymore. And that was really buying what you know, or the consumer instinct. Because really, in order for you to invest, you have to start somewhere. So where do you start? You start with, what should I invest in? Obviously, should be your first question. And so the most comfortable thing for us women is to know what we shop for, what we think is value, and then think, oh, okay. And, and I use the example of Kohl's as one of my example because uh, my sister and I had gone to Kohl's. This was years ago. I, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where no shopping really is ever, you know, you're never gonna see a store completely crowded because we just don't have that many people here. But when I went to uh, Long Island with my sister, and we went to Kohl's, I, I was like shocked. There were lines around the store waiting to pay. <laughs> so this is for most women who go like either A, oh my God, what a pain I have to wait to pay or B, wow, this is the store is really crowded. I guess Kohl's is doing well. And me, I take it one step further. I wonder what the stock is doing. So right. the first, right, so the first thing is that is like, and with women, especially whether it's, there's a product you like, I mean, how many women must have thought on Amazon when they realized that they were now not going so much out to buy things, but they were buying things on Amazon. And I'm not talking about recently, I'm talking about even several in 2015, where all of a sudden you go to parties, remember parties? God, I can't wait to go to a party again. Um, that, that people would be talking about, older people would be saying, oh, you know, I buy everything on Amazon now. So that would be like, wow, let me look at the Amazon stock. So that's what I'm saying. Women have these incredible senses about value. And because we tend to be risk averse, we also are, have a natural propensity to making sure that when we do buy something in terms of an investment, we want to know what our risk is. True. We may not use that language, but that's what I'm trying to help women with is to be able to think in terms of that language. I like this brand. I like this store. I like this product, whatever it might be. Uh, I use it a lot. I know my friends use it a lot. Okay. I'm going to look at a chart and these six phases that you're talking about really become a navigation system so that you can see, all right, I like Amazon. Where is it in the phase? Where is it against these two simple moving averages or two lines? that you can see, and I point them out to you, is it well above the moving averages? Is it well below? What does that mean for phase? What do I need to wait for? 
And if you've just learned that much, you can get in at these inflection points when phases are changing and then know right away if you're wrong because it fails. If it holds, you keep with it. If it fails, you get out and you look for the next thing. So that's kind of, I, I felt like those were really the two simplest, most foundational ways to start is buy what you know and then buy it on the basis of a phase change so that you have the best uh, risk factor involved with you so that you don't have to say, oh my God, I, I don't know, I just, I just bought coals and it's going down, 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 right. kind of thing. Um, so I, that, that was really the, the two things that I wanted to speak to. The, the, the other thing too is um, I think it's really important also to have some socially conscious investing, which is another thing that women are very passionate about. We want to do, we want to buy in the market things that are good for not only our families, but for mankind in general. And so getting back to what you're saying about, I tell you about college majors, et cetera, et cetera. Just want to mention where that comes from. When I was teaching, I left teaching for a while and then I started a learning center in New York and I was doing a lot of coaching for colleges, college admissions. I was tutoring for SATs along with my staff. I was helping kids with their college essays, et cetera. And a lot of the kids, by the way, that I was dealing with were kids that had learning disabilities and other type disabilities because that was my specialty, but not just that. And I realized that, again, parents were constantly asking me, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this college? What do you think about this major? What do you think about my kid going to this college, my kid studying this, et cetera? And so that's the part you're talking about, Rebecca, in the book, is that I kind of pivot from just investing and say, well, how do you know if something is trending? It's the same thing with the phases. So obviously, we know that alternative energy is phasing, but what might be coming up over the next several years? And I give you a list of 10 different megatrends that are still emerging, some of which are already very mature and others I call like basically toddlers getting out of their diapers into their more grown-up pants. Like for example, 3D printing. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and this is really good. And I think it's important for, for all of us to look at this because there's a lot coming and um, it's pretty exciting when you think about this. And if we take a look the way that it's mapped out in the book, it's, there's lots of opportunity and it's not something that isn't doable. These are very realistic and if you look at it from a, if you want to look at it from a business sense, just uh, there's something that is called a smart goal, specific, measurable, action, realistic, and timely. And this is, it is very, and you can do this with a very minimal amount and you can try and start small. It, is, it isn't, oftentimes we feel like we have to, um, go out and have this humongous amount of money to invest. And if you don't have it, it's an, an all or nothing kind of thing. And that's not the case. We can start really small and then build and let the momentum build based on what you're, you have shared. And I will tell you, it is something that is completely achievable. And I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm excited to share with the audience because of how achievable this is and how digestible that this is. Very excited about this. And right now, I think 
is one of the most opportune times that anybody can, if they want to grab hold of a time out of all times, now is a really good time because I think when things are on the low, and I really hate to say take advantage when it's on the low, but right now we're on a low, we're on a low swing with everything that's, that has happened. And if we, if we decide to say, okay, I'm going to take this and embrace with where we're at, it can actually turn out to be something that, um, that can really be very advantageous for a lot of people. Well, so. the, the, the movement that's going on with these kids, getting back to these kids, I, I love using these kids as an example because it really is a cross-section of so many trends that we've seen happening. Social media, obviously a huge trend, and so they've taken to social media. Sort of also the uh, whole idea of the fact that they have been the victims of a lot of stock manipulation, bank bailouts, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, they're being told that they can't get their student loans paid back and um, they can't even pay back their loans. Um, they don't feel like they've been given a good future by their baby boomer parents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you just put all of that out on the side and realize what they're doing is, is they're looking at stocks. Again, you have to kind of figure out what you want to choose. They're choosing things that they feel have been so heavily shorted, which means that these hedge funds, what they do is they sell short stocks, companies that they think are going to go into the toilet. And by, in essence, a self-fulfilling prophecy, these hedge funds can drive companies into the toilet, so to speak. Right. And, uh, and, and so these kids are going, well, wait a minute, we want that to stop. These hedge funds shouldn't rule the roost anymore. We're going to find these companies that look like they may be forced into the toilet and we're going to stop buying them. We don't care what the fundamental is. We don't care if their earnings per share is bad. We don't care whether their price earnings ratio is bad. They don't even give a clue uh, or have a clue about the fundamentals. They're just buying it on the basis of how do you stick it to the man? You buy up these stocks that are heavily shorted and you make it so hard and so fast that these hedge funds have to either cover their shorts or they keep shorting into it because they don't believe that this is really happening. And that's where we're at right now. The takeaway from that is, is that let's learn from these kids. I mean, you don't have to be quite kind of that bold, but really what you have to be looking for is what they're looking for, whether they realize it or not, is things that were so undervalued and undervalued for a whole host of reasons. Sometimes it's, you know, obviously a business gets obsolete and that happens, or you see a merger and a company just goes by the wayside. But also sometimes it's just because it has been so heavily manipulated in terms of the bailouts. They're not the companies that got help, but the big corporations have. So they're also fighting the big corporations. I mean, it's so interesting to me. It's a sociological study for sure. I, I, I like to think of it as, you know, I always knew the storming of the Bastille couldn't happen again, but we were heading into this sort of revolutionary environment. We've seen it everywhere with race injustice and and uh, now, now more uh, financial injustice, or I should say wealth inequality. I wasn't sure what that storming of the Bastille would look like. This is the storming of the Bastille, in a sense, through the uh -huh. social media and through these trading platforms that they're buying all these beaten up stocks. But the takeaway for you guys is, is that they, none of them have any money. They have no money. And they're not thinking in terms of scarcity. Now that some of them have made a lot of money and some of them will lose all that money, but there'll be a lot of people if they get an education will actually hold on to that money and then continue to grow and get a little more sophisticated as the rebellion stage starts to dissipate. So right. 
So we are already older. We don't have to have that rebellious type of thing. But what we can say is there is opportunity. And to your point, Rebecca, you don't need to be a gazillionaire to get started in trading. I have many people who trade with me who have $10,000. Um, I, I can just tell you that my mother who scraped up her, 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 I mean, she put some money together. Um, of course, my mother doesn't have to worry about money because of us, but she said, I wanna have my own trading account. And she gave me $25,000 to put in with all of our other trading accounts. And now she's up to close to $50,000 on that account. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, so um, of course my mom, yeah, it's all gonna be yours anyway one day, but yeah, <laughs> that's my mom, <laughs> so cute. Yeah, but she's 87 and she's watching the markets carefully now because she's excited by all of this. Well, it is exciting. And um, I've got to tell you, let me, before I let you go, what is the best places for the audience for, for us to direct the audience to listen to you and to catch up with you to get the best information? Well, there's a couple of things I'm doing right now. Number one is on Twitter. <clears throat> I'm very active on Twitter. At Market Minute is my handle. And I am also extremely amenable to answering any question from what people think might be the stupidest question. There's no such thing as a stupid question, when, especially when it comes to this. I will take the time and answer everybody. Um, that's first place. If you really want to understand what's going on on day to day. I also am on Instagram and on Instagram as Mish, M-I-S-H Schneider, one word, is an interesting place to go to follow me there because I post all my media clips. So I like I was on Fox yesterday with Neil Cavuto. You can watch it there. My daily posts, uh, Mrs. Daly, as you were mentioning before, I post it there. I do little morning stories where I tell you how to set yourself up for the day, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. Uh, and I do it in all different types of scenes from my car to my bathroom in front of my screens to keep it personal and keep I it. I love light. it. Um, and, some, and I sometimes I look like, Oh, horrendous. I have no makeup on, but I don't care. The point is, is I'm showing you I'm a real person. And if you do and listen to what I'm saying, you can start to learn. And the other is to go to our website, marketgauge.com. And that is really also where you'll see everything posted in terms of the media clips and the dailies. But also you can look at, we have a bunch of free stuff in there. Um, and also you can order the book, which is on Audible, by the way, Rebecca, you can actually listen to the book now if you go to audible.com. Excellent. Plant Your Money Tree, A Guide to, to Growing Your Wealth. This is easily digestible. And uh, if you do like audio, um, when you're still doing commutes, that's a great opportunity for you to listen to it too. Or if you are more auditory than you are visual and you're an auditory learner, that is another absolutely phenomenal way to, to get it. And if you're both, listen and and learn. I'm going to tell you, this is a great opportunity. I, I didn't want to put it down and I still want to go back over it and, and do some things for me because once you retire and you are then on a fixed income, you're looking for different ways to supplement and you want to do some things that are fun and continue to grow. This is another, another way you can do that as well. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Cause I will tell you, I have learned so much and I know that the audience is going to as well. And the information that you have provided in the book, there is so much, so much growth there and so much opportunity, not just to, 
you know, learn and grow the finance end of it, but there is, there is growth opportunity for careers and education that you have in your book as well. Yes, I, I really try to make it um, not intimidating like these trading technical books, but also not condescending like some of these wealth books that say live below your means, save all your money, because that's just not realistic. Nobody does that. Yes, yes. This is definitely very, very real realistic. So thank you so much for being on the show today and giving out the information that you have, because this has really been, I mean, such a joy for me. And I know, like I said, it's going to be for the audience as well. Thank you so much. This is a great time, as you said, to learn and forget the headlines, forget the doom and gloom. This could either be a great generational opportunity in the market, or if we see some kind of correction, another opportunity there. But whatever it is, market is the free bastion of capitalism. It's the only place besides what you do for a living that you can actually be on equal footing and make some money. So I encourage it and I'm here to help. I do as well. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. Please make sure to connect with Michelle Schneider on Twitter. She has been by Dow Jones. She has been told it, it <laughs> recommended as one of the best to follow on, on Twitter. So you really need to connect with her there. She's on Instagram. She's everywhere. Make sure you connect <laughs> with her. She is going to really provide some information and resources that is going to be able to make a huge difference for you. So thank you for listening to today's show. Connect with her again. Share it with your friends, your family, everybody that you know on social media and everybody that you don't. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you.